Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is proudly sponsored by our great mates at Galaxy Finance and Griffin Air Conditioning. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. This legend, he's understated. Minimal fuss, minimal fanfare, but boy, could he play. 20 years after debuting, his influence in the game is just as significant. But who is Chris Flannery? Who is Chris Flannery? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question, I guess. Um, I guess if you'd asked me 10 years ago, Chris Flannery's a professional NRL uh, rugby league player, but... Um, in 2020, Chris Flannery's a, a dad. He's uh, a CEO of a, a football club in the Intra Super Cup in Queensland. And um, within my role with the CEO role, I guess I've got a lot of different uh, positions, which is your commercial manager, mm. you're a wellbeing manager, you're a recruitment manager. So, yeah, I guess that's uh, Chris Flannery. But I, I suppose um, I probably feel like I'm an Uber driver uh, most of the time with the kids running them to sport and dancing and netball and picking them up and yeah so um obviously a, a husband as well so yeah it's a it's a mixed bag there mate your middle name's not dale by any <laughs> chance is it it's not dale but yeah if you ask brian fletcher it probably is but yeah that how was... many years did you cop rent a kill jokes mate i copped them i think you might have been commentating in my first uh nrl game yeah. which was in 1999 and um yeah rent a kill sort of came out then and uh, yeah, it sort of stuck for a while. Then it moved to Dale, I think, through either blind Brian Fletcher or or Nat Wood. And yeah, yeah, I was called Dale for quite a, a while. Obviously, after the infamous hitman Christopher Dale Flannery, but still get called Dale today by quite a few mates. And yeah, it still still floats around from time to time. For those not familiar, there was an infamous standover man named Christopher Dale Flannery in the eighties underworld in Sydney. He was a feature in Underbelly. He amazingly disappeared in May of 85. He hasn't been seen since, but word is, if you look into the water on the city side of the Harbour Bridge, right underneath the Southern Pier, you may see his reflection. That is speculation, of course. We've got that out of the way. Mate, you moved to the Sunshine Coast as a young fella. How and why did you end up at the Sydney Roosters? Yeah, so that was through... I made a couple of Queensland schoolboys teams and obviously uh, the great... Arthur Beetson was at a few of those carnivals and I started chatting to Artie, who was obviously the Roosters recruitment manager at the time. And uh, yeah, it just sort of uh, flowed from there. I was actually signed to the South Queensland Crushers at first uh, before they folded, uh, which was in uh, about 2000, uh, sorry, 1995. And um, yeah, once they folded, there was sort of, I was back off scholarship or contract and uh, that was when Beatso sort of came along and uh, we had a few chats and he came to a few carnivals. And, yeah, after that, I signed with the Sydney Roosters. So I went down to the Broncos, had a chat to the Broncos. I went down to Parramatta, uh, had wow. a talk Yeah, had a talk to Parramatta at the time, who, who were a powerhouse. And, 
Uh, but yeah, it was just a, a really good fit at the Roosters. I, I was a really keen surfer at the time, and um, obviously uh, there was some good surfing locations in the eastern yeah. suburbs there. So uh, definitely had a look at those spots, and you know the club. You know Freddie Fitler was there, and Brian Fletcher, and some really good sort of young guys coming through, and. Yeah, it just was a good fit for me going from the Sunshine Coast uh, to the eastern suburbs, but obviously a, a lot um, busier down in, in Sydney than what it was up here and, and took a bit of getting used to. I bet it did. Mate, at what age did you and the family sort of realise this rugby league thing might be going from fun into actually a career? Yeah, I guess it was probably when I was around about 12 or 13, you know, we, I, I was lucky enough to make a couple of rep sides, Sunshine Coast rep sides, yeah. and uh, we were going to carnivals and, you know, there was scouts everywhere at that time, you know, wow. guys walking around with uh, polo shirts and, and, and NRL jackets and, yeah. you know, you, you sort of, you know, you could see that there was a lot of interest in, in us at the time in our age group and we had some great young players coming, you know, Casey Maguire and Ben Ross and, those types of guys, uh, you know, Adam Mogg and those guys from the sunny coast. And, yeah, the, everyone seemed to be talking to a, a different NRL club at the time. And, um, yeah, so I sort of knew at that stage, you know, that if, if I was good enough, there was a possibility you could get picked up. And, yeah, it wasn't for a few more years. But, um, yeah, there was definitely a bit of interest uh, there from an early age. It's still a wonderful nursery, the Sunshine Coast, a very underrated nursery for mine too because there's a lot of current day guys that uh, – that are sunny coast boys and proudly. There is, mate. Yeah, there's some really good ones running around. Obviously, uh, Jake Friend, uh, you know, a, a great Noosa local, um, you know, Moses Emboy. Um, yeah, we've got some really good, uh, you know, kids coming through and uh, Tino Fasamola Awi, uh, as we've all seen in Origin, is, is you know, a gimpy product. So yep. um, had a lot of time at the Falcons here. So it's great to see. Your debut, Campbelltown Sports Ground, I think it was. What do you remember of the day? Oh, I remember um, I only got the call up fairly late. Uh, someone went down at the captain's run, I'm fairly sure, so I only got called in virtually the night wow. before yeah, into the team. And, um, yeah, we're obviously playing the Tigers, the West Tigers out there at uh, Campbelltown. And, you know, they had a, a pretty formidable side, you know, guys like um, yeah. John Hopawati and Darren Centre and, um, you, you know, those types of guys. And, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty tough play place to play at the best of times out at Campbelltown. So I remember just as I was about to go on the field, we, we, we kicked the ball out, I think, and someone threw the ball just as I was about to go on the field and it virtually oh. just hit, hit, hit me in the back and it was I turned around and it was these kids with uh, West Tigers jerseys on and they were just giving it to me. But, um, yeah, I remember um, – I actually, I remember my, my first touch. I just thought I'll go for it because I came on on the wing, so mm. – I thought I'll go for a scoot and uh, just get a bit of a feel for it. And I actually, uh, the, the ball was raked out, but wasn't called a penalty at the time. And, and they ended up going that set and scoring the, uh, a few plays later. So it wasn't the best start to my career. And I, I can imagine uh, Graham Murray wasn't wasn't too happy at the time, but it was um, you know, a good a good introduction, I guess. It couldn't get much tougher. You played at a, about a hundred kilos, six one in height, too big to rely solely on speed. Probably too small to rely solely on strength. Therefore, you got tagged as a great utility player. Is a tag like that good or does it suck? Uh, yeah, look, I, I guess when you're playing in a team like I was playing in at the time, I, I think it's good because, you know, we had 
um, some great players. I've oh, seen yeah. those uh, that early two thousand Roosters team, and you know you just had to fit in where you could, and um, you know, and that was certainly what I was doing at the time. I, I guess much like. Um, Mitch Orbison was there towards, yep. uh, you know, throughout his career. It was uh, virtually, you know, you, you fit in where you can and we had some great back rolls, we had some great outside backs. So, um, you know, I did end up playing all over the place and obviously I played in the halves there a little bit when Freddie was, was playing State of Origin as well. So it was a great way to, to keep your position within the team and I, I think I, I did add a bit of value there where, yeah. I, you know, I could, um, you know, Sticky could basically call on me, you know, if there was an injury in the backs or an injury in yep. the forwards or, or wherever. But, um, yeah, sometimes you look back and you think it would have been nice just to, you know, play the one position yeah. and not have to cover so many uh, different positions. But, um, yeah, it certainly helped me get in the team at that time. At top level, is there actually a position you didn't play? I think prop was the only position, wow. thankfully, that I didn't play. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I played virtually every other position and yeah. – uh, yeah, played halfback, 5'8", all through the back line. And I actually, when uh, Arthur Beetson picked me up, I was actually playing fullback. So, yep. and, and I played in those early 2000s, I played a lot of fullback throughout that 2002 uh, premiership year and through those finals. Luke Phillips was injured, so I was playing uh, fullback through those yep. finals. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a mixed bag of positions. But as I said, it, it definitely helped uh, keep your position in that team of superstars at the time. In the year 2000, the Chooks actually made the grand final. You weren't in the side. You played two games, but you played almost every game for the next two years. What changed? I think it was a, a bit of self-belief, I, I guess. I, you know, I played those couple of games and I, I, didn't, I felt I didn't go too bad. And mm. It wasn't until then you sort of think, yeah, well, I, I can handle the speed. And, you know, it, it didn't, didn't get a lot tougher. It just got a lot quicker. So yep. it, it's keeping up with the pace of the game and... Um, you know, I, I realised, uh, you know, that I could handle it. And then I think uh, Gus Gould, who was at the Roosters in those early 2000s as well, he, he gave me a lot of confidence in, um, you know, he, he said, you know, you, you're you're up to this, you, you know, you're good enough to play it and, you know, you wouldn't be here if you're not. So um, it sort of just grew from there. And, you know, um, yeah, those those early 2000s, they were some of the, the best years, um, you know, obviously of my football career, but your life. Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self-managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 917740 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation-free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. Self-belief and confidence are amazing assets and it comes naturally to some people. Just because you play first grade doesn't mean you're a first grader. And a lot of guys, Gordon Tallis is a wonderful example, don't believe within themselves that they actually belonged at that level until well into their career. Were you one of them or, or did you feel as though you fitted? Yeah, no, look, I'd have to say that I, I was one of them. I wasn't always a standout player throughout those younger grades. I, yeah. I was, you know, at, at club level I, I was, but, you know, once you got into those rep sides, um, there was certainly a lot of players uh, who were ahead of me in the pecking order at the yeah. time, you know, through um, under-13s, through to under-17s. Um, so, yeah, I, I might have had to work a little bit harder than, than some of those players and, 
Uh, yeah, it wasn't until, you know, you sort of get those first few games under your belt yep. and you realise, yeah, you, you, you are up to it that, you know, that self-belief grows. And, and you know, each pre-season, I guess, you know, the more time you spend with the uh, first graders, yep. each pre-season I think you're growing confidence and, you know, you get a bit stronger, a bit faster, a bit smarter. So each pre-season I had, I, I think um, – you know, I, I grew as a, a person and a player and, you know, we had some great mentors, you know, in, in Freddie and Luke Rigginson and uh, Craig Fitzgibbon and um, those types of guys who, you know, they um, demanded excellence and, you know, they trained hard and, you know, you, you didn't want to let them down. So um, that certainly helped when you're at a club that's got some, um, you know, superstar players like that. Three guys that you just mentioned, Brad Fittler, Craig Fitzgibbon, Luke Rigginson, as you said, wonderful players really good examples and really good communicators. Were they the guys that you looked to uh, for advice, for comforting and as standard bearers? This is what's required? Yeah, definitely. Like those, those three guys that I mentioned, they were uh, obviously you know, legends of the club um, and you, know, you definitely look to that, those guys when uh, you know, when the chips were down and yep. um, you know, not just on the field but off the field and uh, you know, Freddie had a really good relationship with uh, the players, but also the coaching staff. Obviously, I'm probably talking about more so when uh, Ricky Stewart was there. Yep. And, you know, if there was uh, things that, that weren't going well on the training paddock or on the playing field, it was usually Freddie who, who would take, you know, our, our grievances, I suppose, to, yep. the, to the coaching staff. And, you know, he, he really did a good job of, you know, I guess looking after both groups. But... Um, you know, guys like Craig Fitzgibbon and Luke Rickardson, they just set the bar uh, training-wise. Yeah. And, you know, they were uh, some of the fittest guys, um, you know, around at the time. And, and, you know, I think we all wanted well, – all aspired to sort of be at that level and they pushed us to be at that level. So guys like uh, Minicello and Wingy and uh, Crocker and myself mm. and, you know, there was a group of young guys coming through at the right time and, you know, we all just wanted to, I guess, not let those guys down and, and you know, be um, – yeah, be as fit as those guys, I suppose. A pre-season in particular, I've been told that's where the learning and the teaching goes on. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, those some of those pre-seasons, and particularly when Sticky came in in that two thousand and two, yep. or the start of that two thousand and two year. You know, we we had a really good squad, and I was just cutting my teeth at that time. You know, I'd mm. only played a few NRL games, and Ricky came in and probably brought in you know that really hard edge to our training that we, we needed. Uh, you know, we'd been in that grand final in 2000. Yep. Uh, we slipped out of the finals in 2001 after a loss to the Knights. And, yep. um, you know, we were very disappointed. In 2002, there was a change from Graham Murray to Ricky Stewart. So it was a um, probably a change that we needed. And, and Ricky mm-hmm. just brought in these uh, crazy um, – crazy fitness and, and training um, regimes yeah. that, you know, it worked for us at the time, but they were they were very tough and it was definitely the, the toughest pre-seasons uh, that uh, we'd been through at the time. 126 games for the Chooks over six seasons. What do you consider the highlight of your time in red, white and blue? Oh, it's definitely that 2002 yeah. grand final. Uh, you know, you look back at that and... You know, we, we got on a, an eight-game winning streak or a seven-game winning streak going into that grand yep. final. And, you know, I think we lost our first four or five games of that season. So we, we weren't mm. travelling great, but towards the back end, everything just you know, clicked into gear. And, uh, we you know, we really uh, strung a, some great games together. And, um, yeah, that 2002 grand final, obviously, against the Warriors. And you know, it was a, even though the score suggests that it, we... we 
you know, we ran over the top of them, but, um, you know, it was a really tight game probably up mm. until the last sort of 15 or, or 20 minutes, mate. So, um, yeah, 2002 grand final for sure, but uh, it, was, it was a great period and obviously we, we made the 2003 and 2004 grand finals, but, you know, we weren't good enough in those games, unfortunately. That side, I reckon it changed the game and, and they're changes we're still seeing now. We've never seen a defence or a brutality like that. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, our line speed at that time it was um, revolutionary. I guess you know yeah. the, the, how much speed uh, we had coming off the line, and you know we practiced that day in day out at training, and um, it, it was down to the fact that we were the fittest team, in my opinion, at, at, yeah. at the time, and you know we we could do that. So yeah, definitely changed things for the next few years, and that line speed, and I guess that aggression. Um, you know, that's what, what Ricky wanted and, you know, we all uh, – well, that's how we trained every session. A seriously good but seriously tough footy side. Adrian Morley gets a lot of the credit. I agree. I'm going to toss up another name for you, a guy that's maybe the nicest person in the entire world and a guy that doesn't create headlines. He doesn't look like an executioner. But I actually thought Craig Fitzgibbon was the benchmark of toughness. Yeah, he that- was brutal. That's hundred percent right. Yeah, Fitzy was he was phenomenal. Um, he was just a machine on the training paddock on the field. Mm. Uh, you know, if you watch some of those games, he would just go for eighty minutes um, and just you know hundred miles an hour the whole game. And yeah, Fitzy was, was definitely the benchmark. Um, and you know, as I said, he, he was one of the fittest guys in the club, and he just demanded um, you know that we all. Uh, rise to the standards required and yeah Fitzy definitely was leading the the, the charge at that time I, I remember I think it was against Newcastle uh, he took a, an intercept uh, down on our line and, mm. and Birchie ran the length of the field that was in the semi-final uh, might have even been to go into that grand final actually and um, yeah for him to to at that time still be you know be able to score a length of the field yeah. try after all the work that he'd done was just amazing You'd also debut for Queensland in 02. That is a massive, massive year in the life that you will look back on and smile at. Yeah, it certainly was, yeah. Obviously, you know, I'd been in the Origin, I guess, uh, emerging squad and yes. I remember the year before uh, Wayne Bennett actually saying to us, a couple of you guys are going to play uh, Origin next year. And, uh, you know, we all sort of looked around and I said, there's, well, there's no way it's, it's going to be me. But, yeah. you know, there was a couple of... Uh, good players there, and um, but yeah, when, when I got the call up that following year, um, myself and Justin Hodges got called up from the Roosters, and uh, game two in two thousand and two yep. was, yeah, it was obviously a shock, but um, yeah, it was it was a fantastic uh, feeling, and uh, yeah, we we went into game two um, uh, down here in Brisbane and, and came away with the win, and yeah, it was a, just uh, you know an awesome feeling running out in the the Queensland jersey. Tell us about the phone call. Uh, yeah, well, I actually got the phone call from my from my dad who, who was up here on the Sunshine Coast. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So he he heard it on the radio and he rang me up and obviously I, I thought he was was me up. But yeah. Uh, yeah, then I got another phone call uh, later on. Um, yeah, from from the Queensland team and yeah, obviously said that I was in the side and yeah, it was oh, just a crazy feeling. You know, that was that was two thousand two was the year that I'd virtually. Played every game in for yep. the Roosters, and but it's still you know only halfway through the year, and you know there was wasn't many games, uh, so yeah, it was a pretty crazy experience, but yeah, one that I, I um, yeah loved getting the call. I've heard of mates 
making the call. I've heard of teammates, club coaches, even strangers telling someone they're making their origin debut. Most often it comes from, you know, the team management. To get it from your dad, that is awesome. Yeah, it was, pre- it was pretty cool. I I'd had a few missed calls on the phone, so obviously that was – um, you know, that was coming from the, the Queensland yeah. team and I'd missed a few calls. But, uh, yeah, when when sort of uh, he called and then I saw those missed calls and, you know, he, he let me know that I made it, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty cool experience. And, yeah, uh, yeah he, I think he was uh, just, as, just as wrapped as I was. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. Between 02 and 06, you'd played 10 Origins for the Maroons. Is there one moment, is there one game that you recall more fondly than others? Yeah, oh, look, it's definitely that 2006 series uh, that we won, I guess, on the bell where Darren Lockyer uh, dived under the, the post to, to uh, win the series for us in 2006. So, uh, look, I, I guess those through the middle 2000s there, you know, we, we were going through a bit of a tough period, you know, um, New South Wales had a phenomenal side with Joey John sort of leading the charge and a few of those players that we mentioned before in Fitzgibbon and uh, Minicello and uh, Craig Wing and those types of guys, they were playing some wonderful footy. So we actually went into that 2006 series, um, you know, as potentially the first team to lose four series mm. in a row. So it was you know, pretty tough times. There was a lot of pressure on us, uh, mm. you know, obviously within the team, but, you know, from the external media and, uh, everyone as well. So, uh, you know, to go down to Melbourne in that game three, uh, and we didn't get any favours the first uh, the first half. Yep. You know, we had some really tough calls and, and we were really struggling. But, you know, Brent Tate scored that long-range try to get us back in it. And, um, yeah, obviously it culminated with Lockie uh, scooping up that ball and diving under the post. And, yeah, it was just a, a wonderful uh, feeling to, to finally get that win. But we, we had... Retained the shield in 2002, but that was through a, a, draw, a draw series. So um, that was virtually the first series uh, that, that we won outright for, mm. for quite a while. So, yeah, a lot of emotions, and yeah, it was just fantastic to, to get the win. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was uh, my final Origin game. I went and played over in England the, the following year. So to finish my Origin career on that was it was a pretty special moment. But, um, yeah, they, they definitely went on a good run after that. That moment... That try, that game, 2006 is the year when we look back at history that started the dynasty. Yeah, I, I think that's the way that we all, all the 2006 team likes to, uh, yeah. likes to look at it. We started it, but uh, yeah, certainly it was, you know, that's just a phenomenal run that the boys went on mm. after that. And, um, you know, Malman Inger, yeah, and Malman, Mal's has to take a lot of credit for that. You know, he, he came in and, um, you know, really instilled a lot of belief again in the in the team, and um, you know, turned I guess turned things around and gave us that confidence. And 
yeah, we had some some great players in there. But you know, that that game three as well, we we had guys like Billy Slater and Gi, um, you know, who who weren't playing. You know, we we definitely didn't have our. Uh, our probably our strongest team out there, yep. but you know we we dug deep as the Queenslanders did the other night, and yeah, managed to to get a win. So it was a it was a great series. In Clubland, the Roosters were the benchmark in the early part of the century. You know, three oh four, you'd make the grand final but lose. In oh four, though, one of the more amazing stories of the game, a, a story of courage, of commitment, no doubt, or single mindedness. But also one of a nutcase, quite frankly. I'll let you take up the story of the GF, what happened and what you went through to play. <laughs> yeah, look, it was uh, yeah, quite a uh, bizarre build-up to a grand final, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we played the North Queensland Cowboys in the prelim final, obviously the week before, and the sun, it was the Sunday game. And first run of the game, I, I got a bit of a knee in the crown jewels and um, you know, I was quite sore and played on through that game and... Obviously got to the, the, the end of the game. We, we won by a field goal. Brett Finch kicked a field goal to, to get us into the grand final, uh, the 2004 grand final uh, against the Bulldogs. So I came in after the game and had, you know, was, was still quite sore in, yeah. the, uh, in the crown jewels and uh, spoke to the doctor and the physio and they virtually just said, look, just see, let's see how it settles overnight and, and see how it is in the morning. So I've woken up the next day, uh, probably about four or five in the morning in a, a fair bit of pain and... Um, yeah, looked down and I had these two big avocados between my oh. legs. So it was, um, yeah, I was in a, I knew I was in a bit of trouble. Uh, it was both of them. No, it was just one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had a ruptured testicle. We, we later found out, but um, yeah. So I went in and, and saw the doc uh, Monday morning, and virtually got taken to hospital straight away. Uh, oper- operation, I think, on the, the Monday afternoon, and I was in hospital for. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, so yeah, they they repaired it luckily, but um, yeah, obviously still in a fair bit of pain and uh, and whatever else. So went to Roosters training, got out of hospital on the Wednesday, and went to Roosters training on the Thursday morning. And wow. Gus Gould was there, and he said, "Oh, how, how you feeling?" I said, "Well, I'm not too bad at the moment. I'm, I'm pretty dosed up on painkillers. Yeah. I'm feeling all right." And and Luke Rickardson actually been suspended the day before for a, a high shot on. Uh, on Nathan Fiend so we were down a back row so Gus sort of um, started painting the picture of you know if, if, you, if you can play this game and you know we win it's going to be a, a magical fairy tale to tell yeah. everyone and all this but uh, yeah I, I ended up on the Thursday ended up having a run with the boys and and, and it went okay and um, yeah came, sort of came back the next day Friday and jumped in for a bit of Training and uh, yeah, look, I got through the sessions okay. I definitely wasn't feeling hundred percent, no. but um, it was probably if, if I didn't play, it was going to have to. We we're going to have to bring probably a player up who hadn't played a lot of yep. footy for us that year, and um, yeah, so ended up sort of committing to play on the Saturday and yeah, captain's run and um, yeah, as we know, we, we know what happened. You played with extra protection. Yeah, yeah, I had a uh, I had a softballer's box on so. Um, which was was quite interesting, sort of running around with this uh, softballer's box on. But uh, yeah, I remember one of the tackles, um, the ogre Marco Merli. Uh, he uh, he sort of went for a bit of a grab. He said, "This is a G up, isn't it?" But uh, yeah, I said, "Mate, I would have I would have thought of something better than uh, this to come up with if it was a G up." But uh, yeah, so no, it was a. Yeah, it was just a bizarre build-up, and you know, to play a grand final after coming out of hospital on a Wednesday certainly wasn't ideal, and. 
it would have been a great fairy tale if we'd managed to win yeah. it. But, you know, as, as we knew, we sort of, um, you know, we were up 13-6 at half time and, uh, yeah, managed to managed to get overrun at the end. But uh, I think it was 16-13 in the end. But, yeah, it was, it was a tough game and, you know, the Bulldogs were, were definitely uh, playing some good footy. Are the balls or boys, almost said balls, are the, are the boys or the balls all right now? Have you had any further complications? No, no, everything's been good, mate. Yeah, yeah. obviously we've got two uh, beautiful girls now, so uh, everything's working okay. But, uh, we love yeah, that. It, was, it was definitely uh, yeah, touch and go there for a while. Mate, you were so close to a test jersey so many times. Did you ever think... How close, and and please just give me one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess it did get to a, a point like that, but um, yeah. Like, like I, uh, I have said before, you know, I, I remember after the two thousand three grand final, we got beat by the Panthers, and I had to get a shoulder reconstruction. And um, Arthur Beetson actually uh, told me that you know I was, I was, I was on the plane to to oh. go, but I'd already uh, had the had the uh, shoulder reconstruction, so. Yeah, look, it was um, it was close, and but after that, after that two thousand three, two thousand four, we the, the Roosters we we went on a bit of a slide from two thousand five after Freddie left um, in two thousand and four, and you know it probably wasn't uh, really in the frame for the, the Australian jersey uh, too much after that, unfortunately. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. Best weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. At the end of 06, I thought at the top of your game, you left for England. Why? Um, well, in 2007, I played in a trial. 2007, we played uh, the West Tigers and I broke my – I wasn't even supposed to play in the trial, which was even worse. Uh, mm. Chris Anderson had, had come in to coach the team in 2007 and um, I – yeah, so I, I'd got called into the trial late. I think it was like the night before and yep. because someone had been hurt at training again and – uh, yeah, decided to play and uh, just went for a bit of a scoot and then broke my got got leg. tackled and broke my leg and my yeah. ankle at the same time. So uh, it was a massive injury for me and um, yeah, so I was was virtually out for majority of the two thousand seven season and I was um, I was approached by St Helens as to whether I would be interested in Daniel Anderson was the the mm. coach he he tried to get me out to Parramatta a few times throughout my career and he was okay. now coaching St Helens who are a powerhouse over in mm. uh, the UK Super League obviously so um, yeah just one thing led to another my my leg my ankle were sort of they were recovering but probably not as quickly as what I would have uh, liked mm. and it didn't look like I was going to play too much footy in two thousand seven so. Um, obviously, I was talking to the Roosters as well, and mm. they were, uh, you know, waiting to see how how everything uh, came back. And um, yeah, it was just an opportunity for me to, to get over to England, sort of in in June of that 2007 season, and signed a four year deal uh, with St Helens. So uh, they were they were just about to play in their second Challenge Cup yep. final. Uh, we were on track to to play in the grand final that year. So it was a yeah, it was a it was a big move, but um, you know, especially since I've been at the Roosters since I was about eighteen years old. So I've mm. been there for about nine years down at the Roosters, and it was probably just time for me to 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 have a change and a bit of a freshen up. There've been a lot of great players um, who 
over the, the, the few years before who had, who had been tapped on the shoulder. So yep. I, I probably knew that I wasn't too far away from, you know, from that happening to me. So it was probably a good time to, to go. In hindsight, was it the right time or should have you hung around a year or two? Yeah, look, looking back now, probably I think it probably would have been good to maybe stay for another year or two yeah. in the NRL. Um, but, you know, we, we had a, some great success over there, yeah. uh, you know, a Challenge Cup final and played in a few grand, more grand finals that we uh, unfortunately lost. But, mm. you know, the, the experience of, of going over to England and playing over there was um, amazing. But, yeah, probably looking back now, you know, I could have waited another year or two. But, um, you know, once my career finished at 32 over there, it was, it was time to move home. 138 games for St Helens, 42 tries, a winning ratio of almost 70%. They are outrageous numbers. The club won the Challenge Cup in 08. You played. Is that a career highlight? Yeah, it certainly is, yeah. It was, um, you know, to, to run out at Wembley, full house, 90-odd yeah. thousand at Wembley and the new Wembley. Um, it was just an amazing uh, experience and, you know, just I hadn't really... Before that, hadn't really thought too much about you know playing in, in those big games over yep. in England like that. But you know the the English crowd um, was just amazing. You know, as mm. we all know, the noise and um, you know their love for the game over there was was just uh, you know it was great to run out at Wembley and you know, it was a, a tough game and yeah we were lucky enough to to come away with a win. An iconic venue globally. Is it hard to explain just how? Amazing, not only the venue but the atmosphere and the emotion is. Yeah, I think because the Challenge Cup over in England, you know, it's virtually on par with their grand final yep. over there. So the tradition that is associated with the, the Challenge Cup, um, you know, it's obviously been around for a very long time over there. And, you know, it's uh, the supporters, uh, are, you know, they want to win the Challenge Cup every year, yep. some, some even more so than the grand final. But, yeah, it was it was amazing to be a part of and, you know, it's uh, – it's obviously a knockout, um, a knockout competition. So you know the uh, states like a grand final. I guess leading into that yeah. Challenge Cup final, you play about three or four grand finals. Uh, so the build up to that, and so, sometimes you're sacrificing your, your your normal league games to make sure you've got your yeah. your full team in for the Challenge Cup round, which is mixed in amongst mm. your, your your regular round games. So yeah, it's a crazy. Um, you know, I guess uh, format, but it, it certainly works over there. And you know, I think while I was over there, I think I must have averaged about sort of thirty-three or thirty-four games every every year because you were playing Challenge Cup mm. games, and we made a few grand finals and finals. So yeah, lots of footy played over there. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyed my time. Would a Challenge Cup in theory work over here or not? Oh, I think we've sort of spoken about it a few times, and yeah, I think it'd be a great concept yes. just to, to, to bring in. And uh, you know, I had a few mates living in London at the time, and who who'd played a bit of footy in Australia, and they managed to get through some of those early rounds of, of the Challenge Cup, and they were they were part time footy players and yeah. nearly nearly full time uh, party goers uh, down in uh, down in London, but. We uh, came in after I think our first round of the Challenge Cup, uh, and they they filmed the draw in the dressing room, yep. and we they were playing for London Scholars, so we pulled out London Scholars, so we we ended up playing uh, quite a few of my mates in, oh, in one of the cool. early rounds of the Challenge Cup, and absolutely smashed them. But uh, it was it was good fun anyway. Retirement at the end of twenty twelve was it the right time? No thoughts about maybe coming home for a, one more run. Yeah, I had an offer to come back here and, and play at an NRL club at the time, but 
Yeah, I, I think once you go over to England, it's uh, I, I think it's tough to sort of come back the yep. other way. You know, it's it certainly was a different intensity over there, like uh, the the training particularly, and that's a lot down to a lot of the conditions over there. You know, you don't have mm. these nice fast um, training fields over there. Yeah. It's you know, there's a lot of as we know, snow and it's cold and you, you just don't get the quality of training. It, it is tough training, but it's not the same quality that you have over here. So uh, I definitely had, um, you know, some reservations about trying to come back and, and make my way back into the NRL. And you know, I think we've seen quite a few players who have sort of come back the other way and haven't managed to sort of reach mm. reach their uh, the peak of what they were in the NRL. So, yeah, I decided that it, it was time to retire and uh, obviously move back here to the to the Sunshine Coast where I grew up and, yeah, moved um, moved into to the role that I'm in now. 20 years since your debut, you're still involved in the game. You're the CEO of the mighty Sunshine Coast Falcons in the Q Cup. Do you just love still being around the game? Do you feel fortunate? Yeah, I, I certainly do, yeah. It's uh, obviously, you know, as we know, it's a fantastic game and, and you know, I get a real joy out of um, seeing, you know, the next generation of players mm. come through the Falcons. Uh, we've had a... A number of players come through the Falcons now and through our association and our feeder relationship with the Melbourne Storm go on to sign uh, full-time Melbourne Storm contracts. And, uh, you know, that that's um, now, um, I guess, my goal. And, you know, obviously our goal is always to um, to try and win the competition, the Intra Super yep. Cup competition. But we uh, we certainly get just as much joy out of seeing a, a young either Sunshine Coast Junior or uh, one of our Falcons players uh, go on to, to sign a contract with the Storm and make their NRL debut. So it's been a, a really successful relationship uh, with the Storm over the past sort of five or six years and you know, we're, we're definitely looking for that to continue. A wonderful career, a wonderful ambassador for the game too. Chris Flannery, you sir are a legend. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. A new episode of the Legend series drops every Tuesday and the weekly Wodge every Thursday. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and follow us on social media at the Andy Raymond. Then you won't miss a thing. Come back soon. Legends. <laughs>